I would like to give thanks to the ancestors, known and unknown, those who have paved the way for us to survive this moment of time and to have a reference point to use as a blueprint to deal with these hellish times we are living in. I would also like to give honor and reverence to the woman of the universe for your superior work, for bringing forth the spiritual information through the triple stage of darkness of your womb and giving birth to God. We would like to give reverence to the universe and praises to the indigenous. My name is Raheem Shabazz and this is Necessary Blackness Podcast. Necessary Blackness Podcast, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. with award-winning journalist and filmmaker Raheem Shabazz. This podcast is only for those who are unapologetic because the mind of the conscious man or woman recognizes no monopoly on truth. Truth is relative and always to be sought. Yo, check out the award-winning docuseries Elementary Genocide. This docuseries provides a critical expose of mass incarceration, the war on drugs, and the connection between slavery, capitalism, and the prison industrial complex. This docuseries features Dr. Umar Johnson, Dr. Boyce Watkins, Dr. Francis Cress Welsing, Killer Mike, David Banner, Professor James Small, Kaba Kamene, and so many other people. Check out Elementary Genocide, the School to Prison Pipeline, Elementary Genocide 2, the Board of Education versus the Board of Incarceration, and the latest installment, Elementary Genocide 3, the Academic Holocaust. It's all available now at elementarygenocide.com. Tune in for the drop. I am Dr. Kira Taylor. And when I'm tired of listening to fake news, I will listen to some real news and I will check into the Necessary Blackness podcast with my friend Raheem Shabazz. Raheem Shabazz is one of my guys from way back and you're now listening to his show, Necessary Blackness podcast. Stay tuned. This is a cool of Cultivated Roots Media and I choose to tune into Necessary Blackness because staying connected to my blackness is very necessary. Peace and power, black family. This is your host, Raheem Shabazz. And we are here for another episode of Necessary Blackness Podcast. And this is episode 48. This episode is sponsored by Ear Elf. Ear Elf is a company out of Atlanta that sells high fidelity earplugs. The company is involved in social justice work and gives back 30% of its monthly earning to inner city arts. Make sure you check them out at earelf.com and that's E-A-R-E-L-F com. Ear Elf offers excellent hearing protection and is used by musicians, podcasters, and everyone else that's trying to protect their hearing. Peace and power, Black family. This is your host, Raheem Shabazz, and this is our first episode for the month of February, Black History Month. This month, I will be in the DMV area, D.C., Maryland, Virginia, from February 10th to the 14th. And then on February 15th, I will be in Brooklyn, New York at Mega Everett College. 
and that will be Thursday, February 15th at 10.30 a.m. We're going to screen Elementary Genocide, the school to prison pipeline. At 2.30 to 5 p.m., we're going to screen Elementary Genocide 2, the Board of Education versus the Board of Incarceration. And then at 5 p.m. to 9 p.m., we're going to be screening Elementary Genocide 3, academic holocaust so make sure you come out to mega everest college and we're going to be at the eoj auditorium and that's 1638 bedford avenue brooklyn new york then on saturday february 17th i'll be in central station in north charleston south carolina then february 21st i'll be at miles college in alabama then on march 3rd I'll be at the Nation of Islam Mosque, number 15B, here in Atlanta, April 7th through the 8th. I'll be in Tampa, Florida, April 21st. I'll be in Little Rock, Arkansas. So make sure y'all come out, catch me on the road, or you can catch me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. If not, you can always catch me right here on the Necessary Blackness podcast each and every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Now, today's podcast stems from a conversation I had two days ago with a friend of mine. And we was talking about the effectiveness of the Marcus Garvey movement and his main distractors. Now, for those that don't know, Marcus Garvey was vilified in mainstream media, and he also was vilified by his own people. And two of those main distractors was W.E.B. Du Bois, as well as A. Philip Randolph. In order to put it in proper context, we have to go back to the history of Marcus Garvey to 1914 when he started the UNIA in Jamaica and then two years later then in 1916 he moved the UNIA headquarters to Harlem then in 1920 this is very important family Marcus Garvey began to formulate several black owned businesses for the UNIA and then he began to call for the creation of the Pan-African nation So that is a little history and background on Marcus Garvey. And if you understand or read the opinions and philosophy of Marcus Garvey, you will understand that Marcus Garvey wasn't fond of the Socialist Party, which A. Philip Randolph was a part of. And this is his direct quote. He said, those who opposed capitalism were both enemies to human development and more dangerous to the Negroes' welfare than any other group of people. Those were strong words at that time for A. Philip Randolph, who was a part of the Socialist Party. And he had many distractors, but like I said previously, his two main distractors was A. Philip Randolph as well as W.E.B. Du Bois. And Du Bois called Marcus Garvey the most dangerous person for black people. So this led to the current climate of Marcus Garvey being vilified by his own people. Now, we also have to keep in mind that it was in 1917, there was a black lynching in St. Louis and W.E.B. Du Bois and the NAACP called for a silent march as an act of protest. Marcus Garvey was diametrically opposed to this march. 
he felt that now was not the time to be silent and he felt that W.E.B. Du Bois and the NAACP was weak and subservient and he had no problem with letting them know that and this created a further divide between the Marcus Garvey movement, A. Philip Randolph and the Socialist Party and W.E.B. Du Bois and the NAACP. So now we also have to understand that during this time, the FBI hired J. Edgar Hoover and he became the head of that organization. And this was the first time in history that a full-time informant was hired to infiltrate the UNIA. The end result was a conviction on mail fraud based on one letter. Not several letters, not several individuals complaining, but one letter saying that the UNIA and Marcus Garvey defrauded an individual for $25. And you know who the letter came from, right? The informant. And the end result was that Marcus Garvey was sentenced to five years. And after doing two years and nine months, he was paroled. And then he was pardoned by then President Coolidge and deported back to Jamaica. For those that don't understand, Marcus Garvey was an individual that put race first. He didn't care about religion. He didn't care about political ideology. You had to be black first. That was the premise of the UNIA, and that's why they were so successful. And there's a, a story about Marcus Garvey where an individual asked him, do you consider yourself Jamaican or do you consider yourself African? And he said, why would I give up a continent for a small island? He always, he always put race first and talked about the movement back to Africa. Because you got to understand, family, that the only thing different between a Jamaican and someone from Haiti is that the French colonized Haiti and the British colonized Jamaica. They both was colonized. The difference between them is a boat stop. And Marcus Garvey knew that. So to wrap this up, family, Marcus Garvey, when he transitioned, it was reported that before his transition, he had moved to the United Kingdom and that he suffered a stroke. And this was reported all throughout the mainstream news, particularly in the United States. And after reading a story in the, in the newspaper proclaiming that he was dead, he suffered a heart attack. And on June 10th of 1940, our beloved brother, the provisional president of Africa, made his transition. What I'm going to do right now is I'm going to play a speech of Marcus Garvey, and then we'll come back, and I'll see you on the other side. Did not suffer and die to give me an education to slight, oppress, or discourage my people. Because whatsoever education I acquired out of their sacrifice of over 300 years, I shall use for the salvation of the 400 million black people of the world. And the day when I forsake my people, may God Almighty say there shall be no more light for you. 
I unequivocally rejected the racist assumption of much white American Christianity, namely that God had created a black man inferior and that he had intended Negroes to be a servant class, hewers of wood and drawers of water. Well, I predicated my view of man on the doctrine of Imago Dei. All men, regardless of color, are created in the image of God. Now, from this premise, follow the equality of all men and the brotherhood of all men. The biblical injunction of Acts 17.26 reminds us that he created of one blood all nations of men that dwell on the face of the earth. I was most interested in brotherhood within his own race. Because if Negroes are created in God's image and Negroes are black, then God must, in some sense, be black. If the white man has the idea of a white God, let him worship his God as he desires. We have found a new ideal. Because whilst our God has no color, and yet it is human to see everything through one's own spectacles. And since the white people have seen their God through their white spectacles, we have only now started to see our God through our own spectacles. <laughs> but we believe in the God of Ethiopia, the everlasting God, God of Father, God of Son, God of Holy Ghost, the one God of all ages. That is the God in whom we believe, but we shall worship him through the spectacles of Ethiopia. For 250 years, we have struggled under the burden and rigors of slavery. We were maimed, we were brutalized, we were ravaged in every way. We are men. We have hopes, we have passions, we have feelings, we have desires just like any other race. The cries raised all over the world of Canada for the Canadians, of America for the Americans, of England for the English, of France for the French, of Germany for the Germans. Do you think it unreasonable that we, the blacks of the world, should raise the cry of Africa for the Africans? The Negro is a man. We represent a new Negro. His back is not yet against the wall. We do not want his back against the wall because that would be a peculiar and desperate position. We do not want him there. It is because of this that we are asking for fair compromise. Where the Belgians have control of the Belgian Congo, which they cannot use, they have not the resources to develop, nor the intelligence. The French have more territory than they can develop. There are certain parts of Africa in which they cannot live at all. So it is for you to come together and give us a United States of Africa. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We are not going to be a race without a country. God never intended it, and we are not going to abuse God's confidence in us as men. We are men, human beings. Capable of the same acts as any other race. Possessing under fair circumstances the same intelligence as any other race. Now Africa's been sleeping, not dead, only sleeping. Today Africa's walking around not only on our feet, but on our brains. You can enslave us, we done for 300 years, the bodies of men. You can shackle the hands of men. You can shackle the feet of men. You can imprison the bodies of men. But you cannot shackle or imprison the minds of men. Dive down, black men, and dig. Reach up, black men and women, and pull all nature's knowledge to you. Turn ye around and make a conquest of everything, north and south, east and west. And then when you have wrought well, you will have merited God's blessing. You will have become God's chosen people, and naturally you will become leaders of the world. And as you bow down to the white man today, so will other races bow down to you and call you a race of masters because of the superiority of your mind and your achievements. Because no race has the last word on culture and on civilization. They do not know what we are capable of. They do not know what we are thinking. They are thinking in terms of dreadnoughts, battleships, aeroplanes, submarines. You know what we are thinking about? That is our own private business. So give us credit for being able to use our minds. And with people becoming conscious of themselves, determined to use their minds, you do not know to what extent they can go. Liberate the minds of men and ultimately you will liberate the bodies of men. We love the white race. 
Not for social fellowship, but for the common brotherhood of God intended we should live. What satisfaction can anyone get in being happy and see his brother wallowing in filth, dirt, and disease? How can you be happy living in luxury and your brother's living in disease? And then when you try to help the one out of the disease, the subtle culprit talks about disloyalty. Black men of Carthage, black men of Ethiopia, of Timbuktu, of Alexandria, gave the light of civilization to this world. Ethiopia shall stretch forth our hands unto God, and princes shall come out of Egypt. Because classes, nations, races have been quite quiet for over four centuries. Who has merely borne abuse, insult, humiliation? Whose forbearance can only be compared to the prophet Job has likewise lifted his bowed head and raised it up to God's eyes and cried out, I am a man and demand a man's chance and a man's treatment in this world. That I shall teach the black man, I shall teach the black man to see beauty in his own kind and stop bleaching his skin and otherwise looking like what he's not. In the days of slavery, race mixture, miscegenation had occurred because the African woman had no protection from the slave master. Therefore, there is no need today for black people to themselves freely continue a practice that smacks so much of slavery. Our critics say that the race problem will be solved through higher education, through better education, and black and white will come together, that they will never happen until Africa is redeemed. Because if those who like W.E.B. Du Bois believe that the race problem will be solved in America through higher education, they will walk between now and eternity and never see the problem solved. God made man lord of his creation, gave him possession and ownership of the world. And you have been so darned lazy that you have allowed the other fellow to run away with the whole world and now he's bluffing you and telling you that the world belongs to him and that you have no part in it. I don't have to apologize to anybody for being black because God Almighty knew exactly what he was doing when he made me black. If black people knew their glorious past, then they would be more inclined to respect themselves. Yes, you heard of Johnny Walker Red. And black. Well, he had his adversities, but he's still going strong. <laughs> well, I intend, with your help and God's grace, to continue. Because my work has only just begun. And future generations shall have in their hands the guide by which they shall know the sins of the 20th century. I know, and I know you too believe in time. But we shall wait patiently for 200 years, if need be, to face our enemies through our posterity. When my enemies are satisfied, in life, I shall come back, or in death, even to serve you as I served before. In life, I shall be the same. In death, I shall be a terror. Me to be the real Marcus Garvey I would like to be. If I may come in an earthquake or a plague or a pestilence or a God would have me, then be assured that I shall never desert you and make your enemies triumph over you. Will I God not go to hell a million times for you? If I die in Atlanta, my work will only just then begin. For I shall live in a physical or a spiritual to see the day of Africa's glory. When I am dead, wrap the mantle of the red, the black and the green around me. For in the new life I shall rise up first with God's grace and blessings. To lead the millions of the heights and the triumph that you will know. 
Look for me in a world when I'm a farm. Look for me all around you. For with God's grace, I shall come back with countless millions of black men and women who have died in America, those who have died in the West Indies, and those who have died in Africa to aid you in the fight for liberty, freedom, and life. Any leadership that teaches you to depend upon another race is a leadership that will enslave you. Any leadership that teaches you to depend upon another race is a leadership that will enslave you. They gave leadership to our foreparents and that leadership made them slaves. But we have decided to find a leadership of our own to make ourselves free men. Our great scholars having passed through the colleges and universities have thrown away the blessed record. Babylon did it. Assyria did it, France under Napoleon did it, Germany under Prince von Bismarck did it, England under America under George Washington did it, Africa with 400 million black people can do it. If you cannot do it, if you are not prepared to do it, then you will die. You race of cowards, you race of imbeciles, you race of good for nothing. If you cannot do what other men have done, what other nations have done, what other races have done, then you have set out die. Can we do it? We can do it. We shall do it. We pray to God for vision and for leadership. And He has given us a universal vision. A vision that will not limit our possibilities to America. A vision that will not limit our possibilities to the West Indies. But a vision that says there must be a free and redeemed Africa. Christ to crucify, Christ to despise. We appeal to you for help, for succor, for leadership. When you endeavor to carry your burden of the heights of Calvary. When white men spawned you. When white men scorned you, when white men spat upon you, when white men pierced your side out of which blood and water gushed forth, it was a black man in the name of Simon the Syrian who took your cross and bore it up the heights of Calvary. And now that we are bearing our burden of being so heavy, we just ask that you just help us all up the heights. Oh, yes, the cause is grand, the cause is glory. Surely we shall not turn back. Oh, Ceylon, 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 almighty ship of state, Ceylon. Ceylon until the flag of the red, the black, and the green is perched upon the hills of South Africa. Because the time has come for the black man to forget his hero worship of other races. And to create and emulate heroes of his own. We must canonize our own saints. Create our own martyrs. And elevate the positions of fame and honor. Black men and women who have made a distinct contribution to our racial history. So Jonah Truth is worthy of a place of sainthood alongside the throne of Ark. Christmas Harris and George William Gordon are entitled to the halo of martyrdom with no less glory than the martyrs of any other race. Toussaint Levitore's brilliancy as a soldier or a statesman outshines that of any other people. Hence he's entitled to the highest place as a hero among men. Because Africa's created millions and countless millions of black men and women in war and peace. Whose luster and bravery outshines that of any other people. So why not see good and perfection in ourselves? We must inspire our literature and promulgate the doctrine of our own without any apologies to the powers that be. That right is ours and God. Let sentiments and cross opinions go to the winds. We are entitled to our own opinion and are not obligated to or bound by the opinions of others. If others laugh at you, return the laughter to them. 
If they limit you, return the compliment with equal force. Because they have no more right to dishonor, discredit you in manhood than you have in dealing with them. Honor them when they honor you. Disrespect and disregard them when they vilely treat you. Their arrogance is but skin deep. An assumption that has no foundation in morals or in law. They have sprung from the same family tree of obscurity as we have. Their history is as rude in its primitiveness as ours. Their ancestors were running wild in living in trees of branches like monkeys as ours. They made human sacrifices, ate the flesh of their own dead and wild meat from beasts for centuries, even as they have accused us of doing. Their cannibalism is more prolonged than ours. When we were embracing the, the banks of the, of the Nile, they were still drinking blood out of the, out of the skulls of their conquered dead. After our civilization had reached the noonday of progress, they were still living in holes with bats, rats, and other insects and animals. After we had already unfathomed the mystery of the stars and reduced the heavenly constellation to minute and regular calculus, they were still backwards men living in ignorance and in blatant darkness. The world is indebted to us for the benefits of civilization. They stole our arts and sciences from Africa. Then why should we be ashamed of ourselves? Their modern improvement. To be, re to be reflected and resurrected by our generation and our posterity. Why should we be discouraged if somebody laughs at us today? Who's to tell what tomorrow will bring forth? Did they not laugh at Christ, Moses, Muhammad? Was there not a Carthage, Greece, and Rome? So we see and have changes every day. So pray, walk, be steadfast, and be not dismayed. Because as the Jew is held together by his religion, the white race is by the assumption and the unwritten law of superiority. The Mongolian by the precious tie of blood. Likewise, the black man must unite in one grand racial hierarchy. Our union must know no crime, no nationality. But let us all hold together in every country, in every crime, making a racial empire upon which the sun shall never set. Let no voice but your own speak to you from the depths. Let no influence but your own rouse you in time of peace and time of war. Hear all, but attend only to that which concerns you. Your allegiance shall be to your God, your race, your country. Remember that the Jew in his political and economic origins always was the Jew. The white man is first a white man under all circumstances, so you can do no less. Be black, buy black, think black, and all else will take care of itself. Let no one inoculate you with evil doctrines to suit his own convenience. Charity begins at home. So first to thyself be true, and thou canst not then be false to no man. Because God and nature first made us what we are. And out of our own creative genius, we make ourselves what we want to be. Follow always that great law. Let God and the sky be our limit and eternity our measurement. There is no height to which you cannot climb without the active intelligence of your own mind. Mind creates, and as much as we desire in nature, we can have through the creation of our own minds. And today, being scientifically the weaker race, you shall treat others only as they treat you. 
but in your homes and everywhere possible. You must teach the higher development of science to your children. And make sure, and make sure that we have a race of scientists par excellence. For in religion and science lies our only hope to withstand the evil designs of modern materialism. Never forget your God. Remember that we live, work, and pray for a binding racial hierarchy whose only natural, spiritual, and political limits shall be God and Africa at home and abroad. With one, with God's dearest blessings, I leave you for a while. One love. Brothers and sisters, Marcus, Mosiah, Harvey. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That was Marcus Garvey dropping many jewels. Marcus Garvey was one of our most prolific and profound speaker. His oratory skills is unmatched, even in today's time. And one of the takeaway things that he said was, when you liberate the minds of men, ultimately, you'll liberate the bodies of men. And then he went on to talk about the thinking of the European and how they're thinking about warships, airplanes, and submarines. Then he asked the rhetorical question, you know what we're thinking about? That is to our own private thing, meaning you don't have to broadcast everything that you do. Everything that you plan on Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, or Facebook, some things are best left unsaid. And in closing, I'm going to leave you with this quote. Any leadership that depends upon the race of another is a leadership that will enslave you. We see that from time and time again, that there are those of us that look for our open enemy to aid us in our plight that look for our open enemy to have sympathy for our trials and tribulations when our grandmaster teacher, John Henry Clark, already told us that we have no friends. This is Raheem Shabazz of Necessary Blackness Podcast, and I will see you next week. Make sure you pick up Elementary Genocide Documentary Series 1, 2, and 3. You can get it on Amazon or you can simply go to our website, elementarygenocide.com.